Welcome to the Be Real Podcast. I'm Diana Gasparoni. I'm a visionary psychotherapist, CEO, and founder of Be Well Psychotherapy and Be Her Programs. I am Ednisha Salisbury. I am a therapist, speaker, trainer, and co-creator of Black Woman Be Whole. Each week, we will talk about the journey of mental health wellness. We will talk about why your mental health is just as important as your physical health and the connection that being mentally well has on all areas of your life. We will be interviewing psychotherapists, doctors from both Eastern and Western disciplines, authors, change makers, thought leaders, and more. Our mission is to bring you information that is both thought provoking and encourages you to look closer at your mental and emotional well-being. We give you tips and insights to taking the next steps. If you have already gotten into the door, we'll get you to go a little deeper. Each week, we're going to have real conversations, helping you work through your mental wellness questions and reminding you that you are not alone. Mental wellness is our passion. We practice what we preach. It is our mission to touch as many souls as we can with this content and leading you to a place of mental clarity and well-being. So for the next hour, let's work together, lay back on the couch and get real. Be Real is back again for another episode. It's Ednisha Salisbury. And where's my co-host? Diana Gasperni in the house. Woo woo. Right here. Right here. I'm right here. I am excited to see you. This is an exciting time, right? Because it is time to vote. I was just thinking about like mm-hmm. the first time I voted and what that was like for me. Yep. And it felt like there was a lot of responsibility in that, right? Like I couldn't wait to turn 18 to actually say I voted and to go in and, you know, they'll find my name on that list and I'll wait in the line and I'll go in the back and I'll try and make sure I pencil it in, in that little, little circle. And it wasn't like outside the circle. Things were very different then. Things are now electronic. So back when I first voted, it was not. It's just pen and paper, pencil and paper, excuse me. Same. Yes. This episode does air on the third on election day. And my Mm -hmm. first memory of voting, oof, I'm going to have to take some ginkgo bolo, ginkgo bacol, whatever the thing is, the ginkgo for the memory um, (laughs) to get back to when I was 18. But I remember being really nervous. Like I was nervous that I was going to make the wrong decision or I wasn't as well informed as I could have been. And then I've made it a point to be better informed so that I'm voting uh, for all of the categories. I was a little overwhelmed by all the categories. I was like, what, 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 what? There's a lot of categories of stuff. And so like looking around and this is the first time I'll be voting from this address. So Mm. that will be, I got to go find my new voting station and like where it is and who the people are. And I'm voting in person. Mm -hmm. So I'm definitely going to do that. I'm going to, and I'm excited. I'm excited. I like that. I, I, I actually like the process. I like the feeling when I'm done that um, more so now as an adult that I've, I've made an educated choice. So, and I know that it's, it's a big day. It's a big day. There's a lot going on. I'm sure that everybody has a lot of feelings. People have a lot of feelings about this day for sure. I will say that now that they've come out with the sticker Right. Cause I know you see everybody on Facebook and Instagram after they voted, they kind of got the sticker yep. that's on their shirt. So now there's even more pressure, right? Because it's like, I got to show my <laughs> sticker. Cause, Cause if I have no sticker, totally. that means I didn't vote. I know the sticker. So I didn't. It's, it's definitely a crazy time. <laughs> I did not figure out the sticker in the last major event election. Like I couldn't figure out the sticker and I was like, damn, but yes. Cause now, right. You have to, there's more to it. You gotta, you gotta wear the sticker. You gotta post it. Like, cause if you didn't post it, did you really yes. do it? Right. Like, did that really happen? You think that goes away in your fifties, ladies and gentlemen, but it doesn't. Yeah. And so it's like, like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like, did it, did it, ha- did the tree fall in the woods? If it wasn't on Instagram, did it really happen? Like we have to just make Maybe sure. Not all of those things, but there are, um, there are other things happening in the world. Yes. Like our podcast. 
Um, in a pandemic still in a podcast in a pandemic still going on. We're still going to drop it on Tuesday, just like we always would. Um, and this is, uh, part two of our substance abuse and recovery series. And we have a really good friend of mine on the show today, uh, Sydney silver, who I refer to constantly and always as Sid. Um, and, but I'm going to call her Sydney because that's what she put in her bio. Sydney is See, she is a personal development, recovery, mental health, lifestyle coach, and entrepreneur. She's so many amazing, wonderful things, and I can't wait for you guys to meet her. So just sit back, have a listen. She's just a beautiful spirit. Here I am gushing over the guests, Anisha. <laughs> <laughs> she really is a beautiful spirit. I'm so glad that she spent time with us. So um, I hope you enjoy it. Sit back, grab your tea, and have a listen. As you know, I am a huge supporter of therapy, and if there was ever a time to prioritize your mental well-being, it's now. As the founder of Be Well Psychotherapy, I am proud to announce my team is leading the way in online therapy. Be Well is based in New York City, and we were one of the first practices to pivot to online therapy with the outbreak of COVID-19. With over 15 licensed therapists, Be Well offers a variety of methodologies and approaches so you can select a therapist that is a good fit for you. We help individuals of all ages, including kids, teens, couples, and wait for it, we even have online group therapy. There is no need to struggle alone with feelings of depression, anxiety, isolation, grief, or loss. To learn more, visit BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, that's one word, to 484848 to get connected with a therapist today. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, one word, B-E-W-E-L-L to 484848 to get connected to a therapist today. And now back to our amazing show. Hi, it's me and the guest Bruni on Be Real. And I'm here with... Anisha Salisbury, I am always here every Friday, with me, ready to work every with every you. time, all the Love time. Love it. <laughs> this is us here together. I'm super, 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 super. I can't even say it enough. Excited because not only do I get to see my friend on Zoom while we record this, but we're going to spend an hour with my friend Sydney Silver today. And I'm going to call her Sid throughout the rest of the episode. And we will ebb and flow back and forth between Sid and Sydney. I love this woman. Okay, Sid, please jump right in. Say good morning and um, tell us a little bit about who you are. Diana Gasparoni (laughs) and Anisha. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here with you guys on this Friday. What can I tell you? Well, let's just get, I mean, there's so many facets to you. I don't even know where to begin. I know we're going to get into, we want to talk a little bit about how you got to be who you are today. So, but just give us an overview of like what you're doing right now in your life. And then we'll, we'll start asking you all sorts of questions. Right now I am a personal coach. I work with individuals one-on-one uh, to help them meet various goals in their life. And it was a kind of a roundabout way that I got here through a few different career paths that ended me at this one. But I wear a few different hats. I came in initially as a business coach. I have also been branded, I don't know if that's the right name, a mental health coach and a recovery coach. So I have a pretty diverse group of people that I work with. And I'm interested in what stops people and how to move them through that and forward in a variety of different kind of scenarios that they might be going through. Why don't you tell us how you became a coach? <laughs> okay. Cause I was, I was there for that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was your suggestion. Okay. Well, you need to know that I know Diana for a very long time from like other lifetimes ago, I think for both of us, when we were both doing really different things with our lives. At the time I was a professional musician for many, many years, touring and recording and through basically teenage years into adulthood. And in my thirties, I decided to, I wanted something a little more, something with 
roots a little bit more here at home. I'm born and raised in New York City. So I decided to switch things up actually after a, a bout with a pretty serious illness that I was diagnosed with cancer uh, at the age of 20, sorry, 32. So it kind of became this, you know, it's such a silly analogy, but for some reason, I always think of that bar at the grocery store where they have that bar where they separate your groceries from everybody else's mm-hmm. groceries. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. I always think of it. It was like, that was that. Oh, I, does it have a name? I don't even I don't think know. that thing is the name. I, mean, we I don't know. We'll, we'll, go, we'll fact check it later and we'll put it in the show notes. You know what? If it's something that you have to buy, then I guarantee you it has a name somewhere because right. there's got to be a way to ask for it. So But anyway, that sort of wake up moment and wake up call to what I had accomplished so far in this life of being an artist and having this career. And, you know, it's like when you're sort of looking at your mortality and you're like, okay, this could be it. You know, what boxes have I checked off and which ones haven't I? And I had checked off a lot of boxes. I mean, there was definitely a period of time where they, it was very unclear what my chances were of sort of making it through this uh, having cancer at the time. So I kind of was looking at the boxes that hadn't been checked off. You know, what is it that I haven't been able to do with my life that what do I feel sad about? Here's all the things I feel really good about if this is it. And then what, what are the things that I never got a chance to do? And there was really a couple things that stood out. One of them was having kids, which I kind of always thought I would do. And the other was starting a business and kind of moving away from art and, and just being like a businesswoman. And, you know, I was like, this, this is something I've never done. Although being an artist is running a different kind of a business, but this was like, I had, I guess I had had people in my peripheral who I had, you know, I'm one of those, I see something shiny and, you know, glittery. And I'm like, I want to, I want that. I want to do that. I can do that. So it was kind of one of those moments. I mean, really briefly, I'll say I had a very debilitating drug problem during my uh, 20s and my rock and roll lifestyle years, which uh, brought me into uh, substance recovery at the age of 27. That had a huge impact, obviously, on my life and on my journey into self-examination and uh, learning who I really was and uh, what had sort of had me on the run from myself for many years and reflected a lot on the difficulties that I had growing up and just, you know, all of that stuff. So, you know, once I became clean, there was a whole new lens that was focused on pointing inward to my process. And that's really when I started to become very, you know, I could no longer run and hide with drugs. So, you know, there's only so many different places you can go for relief. And so the healing really began during my 20s, during that time. So then a few years later, I got sick. And then at that point, I was really kind of ready. I think I had about five years clean at the time. I was really ready to kind of assess where I was. And I decided there was a few things, if I was going to live, that I really wanted to do that I hadn't had a chance to do. So then I just kind of threw myself into being an entrepreneur for the next 13 years. And I had two kids and I ran businesses. And I learned a lot about myself and... I ended up kind of bottoming out emotionally under the stress of being an entrepreneur. And it drove me into like another kind of level of recovery where I started to go deep into some other modalities and types of work because I was like at this crossroads. I was basically at a time in my life where I knew I needed to make a change. And I knew that I I was afraid like what was driving the decision? Like who is the decision maker? Like Am I running away from something or am I running towards something? Do I marry my business partners or divorce them? Why am I so unhappy? And I think that before I went into this whole, like, I'm going to be a business owner state of mind, I really thought saw business as being something separate. You know, I was like, this is who you are personally. And then this is what business is. And what I found out is that like, that's not true. Like we take us wherever we go. And <laughs> yes. And yes, that was do. like such, you know, an awakening. I put myself into this sort of immersive group therapeutic experience because I wanted to make more money 
And I ended up in front of 150 people with a microphone in my hand crying about like my ex-husband. You know, it was like the last thing I ever expected to be confronting as I was like, you know, trying to figure out if I should sell or bring in new partners. And I just feel like, man, my whole show is being run by emotion and, you know, baggage. And, and that was like, that was an, an intense discovery for me when I started to realize what was driving, what core beliefs were under the surface of my life and what kind of fears were driving the actual course of my life. And so this connection between business and self-discovery became really the platform that made me want to coach. Like during recovery, obviously I mentored many, many people and then owning restaurants and building restaurants for many years and having many people work for me. I also mentored many people. I noticed that a lot of kids that used to work for me would just appear. I'd be in my office and I'd be holding court with, you know, a lot of young people that had worked for me in the restaurant and then moved on and then just come back to see me and, you know, talk about their lives and get <laughs> advice and, and, you know, were I kind of thought as my kids in, in some way are like my little brothers and sisters. And, and there was a lot of people who I think had some real, I don't know. I, I realized that the thing that I, when it was all kind of winding down that I felt the most pride in were the people whose lives I was able to affect and change by giving them a chance and supporting them and helping guide them. And I did really did see some amazing transformations for people that was really exciting for me. And so when I realized that that outfit no longer fit me, I was in that career and that it wasn't entirely where my heart was and I was struggling to figure out like how to make a difference and what really mattered to me at this point, because I had gone through like, you know, another decade of my life. There was my friend, Diana Gasper. <laughs> <laughs> Are you busy? So as you're talking, I'm also remembering like all these high, all these high points in your life since, and I didn't say this at the beginning, Nisha, Sid was my yoga student. And so she, <laughs> she would ride her bike to my yoga class. She would ride over the bridge to my yoga class in the East Village every Friday morning at 10. She was on her mat. She did her thing. And she was like a local celebrity and I had no idea who she was. So people were like, Wait, were you were living in Brooklyn before it was cool who, oh, when you were coming over the bridge. Yeah. Oh, I'm, born raised. I'm a native. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> born and raised and so it was like I was like I I don't know who she is but she needs help with her forearm stance so I'm just gonna go help her over here with her forearm stands and we'll just like and then she we I can't all the I, it was like an instant love affair like I was just like you know like when you meet you're like oh my god she's gonna be my friend <laughs> she's gonna be my friend the most forever to do because looking at our closets and our music collections, you would never assume. Never, not in a million years. We were married in a past life attractions. Like, <laughs> for sure. We had that. We did have a whole, we had like three years of gene shopping. We did do that. Like okay. how much, like we, like how much money could we actually spend on a pair of jeans? That was a conversation we had for a very long time. But over these high points and having like high points or shifts and changes, I'm like remembering watching Sid evolve and like grow and change and morph. And like this coaching is just like, she's given me so much support and love and coaching as I have to her as mm -hmm. well. It's part of our, our, our dance. Um, it was a natural, I was like, of course, this is what you're going to do. The world needs you. <laughs> I was, I was looking at your website. Um, I was like, I think I want to be a coach <laughs> and not a therapist. Wait a minute. Like, so, you know, the, you talk about boss coaching for business and life and the things that you say, you said, I was looking at it and it said, um, you know, we're going to have fun. We're going to get it done. We're going to laugh. We're going to cry. We're going to break shit, whatever feels good. And so it feels like that's what I do in therapy with people, but I'm not able to say it. So it feels like the beauty of this is you're able to say these things to people in a way that they get it and you help them heal in the same way that Diane and I help people heal. But um, your delivery is just seems so much cooler <laughs> than ours. <laughs> Less restrictions. Yeah. I don't yeah. 
<laughs> I don't know if I can do what you ladies do. Guys, <laughs> because you know, there's those moments where I'm like, keeping tight, and I'm like, I'm just gonna say it. <laughs> the things that we won't say. Yeah. You can say. I'm yeah. just gonna say it. Because you know what? I mean, this is like related and unrelated, but I I I was in a relationship when in early recovery where I was married and it was a very bad situation. And uh, I had like kind of my best girlfriend. And I don't know, I was just burying like, I just, a pint of ice cream a night was where I was at, you Mm -hmm. know, like related to being stuck in my life. And I ran into my girlfriend who who knew me better than anybody. And she just looked at me and she was like, what are you doing? (laughs) Like, because I mean, I just put on like 20 pounds, whatever was going on. Not that there's anything wrong with putting on 20 pounds, but she knew me well. And she was just like, what the hell are you doing? And it was kind of framed around the fact that I was eating a pint of ice cream every night. But at the same time, it was like a smack to the back of the head that like woke me up. Mm -hmm. I was out of that marriage within 30 to 60 days, like of having that conversation. That conversation was the catalyst. And sometimes I'm not saying that I don't like to be rough with people. Like I, I am like, coming with love and service and that that's all I ever want. But I just know from my own personal experience sometimes, and it's not for everyone, it's really about meeting people where they're at and finding out what is the best way to communicate with people individually. But that's how I receive the message sometimes. Sometimes it's like a little bit of like a girl wake up kind of moment. Mm -hmm. And it snapped me into where I needed to go next you know, which was like, damn, I need to do something. And I, and it's time to take action and I need to do it now. Like, this is not the road to where I want to go. I don't know if that's helpful at all, but yeah, I'm not a therapist. (laughs) So So. with that being said, who is your ideal client? Talk to us about the people that you generally work with and what do they come to you asking for? What do they want from you? Some people come to me you know, through like an entrepreneurial conversation. And like I said, those are fascinating for me because it's, it's usually very like it's exterior. It's very goal oriented. It's like, mm-hmm. this is what I want and I can't get there. And then we're like, fine, if this is what you want, this is, we're going to put together a plan. And in scenarios like that, it's like, in some ways I like to describe coaching as like having a secret silent partner in okay. what it that you're up to, uh, or, like a personal coach that you would use at the gym. You know, it's somebody there that's not lifting the weights for you, but they're standing next to you and they're creating some structure and some guidance on how to like, I want to lose 20 pounds. I want to increase muscle mass. I want to open this company, you know, whatever it is. It starts off looking pretty clean. And then what happens is you you step into the mess, right? Mm-hmm. Like as you're moving forward, because it's like easy to make a plan, right? And harder to kind of follow it sometimes. And what happens is you start to walk into the walls and the breakdown, and then that's where the work really starts, right? Because it's what's, it's not the checklist. It's why you can't scratch those things off of the checklist and what starts to come up and what is the messaging and what what are the issues that are really preventing us from being where we want to be. In some ways, I have a level of clients that are that again are coming from a sort of an exterior view of what they believe is going to bring them happiness and what they want. Mm-hmm. So we that's where we start, and then you know when we start to fall down is when we underneath work starts to kind of reveal itself. And look, if it doesn't, good for you. Then let's just get there. You know, it's like I'm not trying to open cans of worms that don't exist for people. Like I'm here to help them move forward and whatever it takes. So some people come to me on that level and then other people come to me because they don't know what they want to do. A lot of people that I work with are in a transition in life where similar to ones that I've been in myself. So I always feel very connected and empathetic towards people that are like moving from one career to the next and not sure, you know, what it is that they Mm -hmm. care about and where they want to go. There is like a classic client that I have that's in that transition period. And then I work with clients that have everything that they want, you know, on, uh, kind of on an exterior level, but are not finding happiness and they aren't finding fulfillment. And there's a piece that's missing for them. Sometimes, you know, we always think there's a reason why we're not happy, you know, and we all have different themes in our lives. Like some people have, you know, don't have a problem making money. They, you can't, you know, hold a relationship that's meaningful or, and a lot of times, sometimes it's the opposite of that. So 
I mean, sadly, I don't have a really clear answer for you because <laughs> in a lot of ways on my own coaching journey, I started off doing one thing and I ended up doing life, ended up steering different types of clients into my life, um, including people that were really just trying to get clean from substance. I mean, it's kind of the last thing that I ever thought that I would be doing all these years after getting clean. But sometimes those are the types of clients that I'm working with are, you know, like on what they call more of like a recovery coaching level where you're supporting people. And also like, I have a lot of empathy for understanding what people who are newly clean or trying to get clean are going through trying to balance their regular lives. Mm -hmm. So it's like by default, I can't, you know, not want to be helpful to clients that are dealing with that. And also clients that had substance abuse problems that have been clean for a long time, like I have, that, you know, are now noticing a lot of those patterns that drove them to the exit door in the first place, but they're no longer using substances. So what happens is when you stop using substances, all of those, you know, if, if you're really not treating the source of what sort of drove you, you adapt other ways to, you know, your disease moves in other directions, right? Like if they call it in the program, it's like a game of whack-a-mole, you know? <laughs> so it's like you're not drinking and doing drugs anymore, but now you're overspending and now you're, you know, acting out in relationships or you're chasing money or it's just, it can be a whole lot of different ways that as like human beings, we're all looking for relief. We transfer our addictions, you know, from one thing to the next. So I was thinking that the work that you've done on, you know, for yourself in recovery, does it help you kind of go deeper with your clients in a different way than maybe if you hadn't had these experiences? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's so ingrained in who I am and how I operate on a daily level that it's like, it would be impossible to separate, separate those things from who I am and who I am like not in recovery, like not in recovery. Like I'm a, dealing pretty much on like an animal level of grabbing outside things to try to fix the insides. And like, even, I mean, I guess that is why it is so easy for me to identify those same types of compulsive behaviors and that same type of compulsive thinking, even without drugs and alcohol as the setting for the stage anymore. And the truth is that like, I believe like we human beings are addicts. Like we're all using something to feel better all the mm -hmm. time. And if you happen to fall into drugs and alcohol, then your life really hits the bottom or you're a compulsive gambler or you're a compulsive sex addict, you probably end up in a 12-step program. And I would say a huge portion of my clients are people, because there's a saying in the rooms where they say, thank God for heroin. Thank God for alcohol. Mm -hmm. Thank God that I bottomed out on a substance that led me to a solution. Because the truth is, everybody else in the world is suffering from the same that we are, except they never hit a bottom so low that they are brought to their knees where they're really forced into finding a new lens to, to view life through and a new set of tools to cope with. I think there are, I think the minority are people that are like truly whatever we call like normal, you know? <laughs> Like one of them happens to be my father, which is probably the most confusing part of my whole <laughs> life is having one completely normal person that's everything is fine. And you know what I mean? All the time is like, okay, is that what we're supposed to look like? And I guess I'm falling short of that. But the longer you live, you realize most people are struggling. Yeah. Most people are a mess. We're, we're all trying to make it. We're all dealing with self-doubt. So I end up working with a lot of clients that actually don't have the luxury of having a support network, like a 12-step universe or, you know, I mean, not that I, I don't wish that the disease of anything on anybody, but it's people that actually just don't have access to certain conversations because they don't feel like they qualify for anything. They're just mildly miserable all the time and don't really know how to make it better. So they are reaching for food. They are reaching for Netflix. They are reaching for a relationship that isn't really satisfying. They are reaching for money. They are reaching for a job that isn't really who they are. And, you know, that's as old as time. You know, I also, I'm really a big fan of 
you know, the Buddhist perspective. And, you know, I've been a meditator ever since I got clean, you know, for over 20 years. And, you know, I love the yoga and I love (laughs) all the things, all the things that are daily practice that are a type of medication, exercise, Mm -hmm. and a peaceful mind. Like, it's hard. The hardest clients I have are the ones that don't want to look at that and don't want to embrace that. Because, uh, you know, like, as Buddha said, we're all suffering from delusions. Human beings are suffering from delusions. We are all making this up as we go along. We're all creating our reality one day at a time. And most of us don't know that that's a choice. And we think that this life is happening to us all the time. And having that shift of perspective is really can define the quality of the life that you're living in this world. So sorry, I'm so deep. And I'm like, I know I'm like, oh my God, I love all of it. It's just, I mean, it's really, it is the essence of who you are. Like, I don't know that we've ever really had a superficial conversation unless we were talking <laughs> about lipstick, which even then it would be like, we could go down a rabbit hole of why we needed it, but all the things. So, um, and I'm like beaming with delight hearing you talk. I love this conversation around coaching and Diana, this is something that you know a lot about that you talked to me about telling me that I, um, I do have a therapist, but I also need a coach. So why don't you talk to um, our listeners a little bit about your experience with coaching? Well, I also have a therapist and (laughs) I currently have two coaches, not one, two. I think personally as an entrepreneur that not having a coach is a terrible idea. I always look for, this is my own personal experience. I always look for somebody who's who's doing a little bit like I want, something that looks like I want, that can help me, guide me, and also... Tell me no. The thing about the thing about being an entrepreneur and you're the boss is people tell you yes because they work for you and you are their boss and you're like, but this might be an actual crazy idea. <laughs> like, <laughs> how are we going to get to from A to B? And how am I going to figure out like how how much this costs or what this does? And so for me, finding a coach was really important. And I also because I live my life in a spiritual way, very open-hearted as much as I can and look through most things through that lens, it was important to me to find somebody who can help me and build systems, but also somebody who was going to help me make sure that I was on a path that was doing good in the world so that I was still continuing to do good, put things out in the world, could tolerate and, and hear me and what I had to say. So I have, I call her my money coach. She's like, I work with her every Friday. She's amazing. Um, We'll put her information in the show notes. Her name is Connie. I love her. And then I have my soul coach and I work with Move the Crowd and Raw Goddess. So, and I would work with Sid, except for for my, our friendship would get in the way. So, but, but in that specifically during this pandemic, I think that what has happened for me is having that structure with one coach and then also having somebody who could help me like really nurture my heart and the stress of being an entrepreneur, a stress of being the person that is in charge of all the decisions and being in my relationship with my person. I mean, she gave us an exercise that had nothing to do with my business. She's like, every day, I want you to ask him to give you a hug heart to heart and have him say something sweet (laughs) to you. And I was like, "Mm, let's see how this is going to roll. And so like, he's a hundred percent on board with all my coaching and all the things he's just like, you do you babe. And let's just, we'll, we'll see. So I was like, okay, you have to give me a hug every, whenever I ask for it, like whenever Mm -hmm. I'm feeling stressed out. And so I'm like, and you have to say something sweet. And so he literally said, gave me a hug and said something sweet, like literally. (laughs) And I was like, okay, well, I'm glad you could follow directions, but like maybe something a little bit. So then now we just call it the candy hug. And he like comes up with a different candy every time he hugs me. (laughs) And it's really, it's so, I cannot explain the shift in me Mm -hmm. 
as a result of knowing that that love was there for me, regardless of if my business fell apart. Yeah. Like my whole business could have fallen apart and it wouldn't have mattered because I was going to, I was going to get a little sugar before the day was over. Just a little snack, just a little piece of candy. Um, And she also had me do a lot of like journaling and inner child work, which is not something that is on in my. Nobody wants to go there. No one. (laughs) No one wants to go and no one therapists. And I'm an analyst. Like we don't, this, and we don't talk. I don't, I don't talk like that. And so, but I did it. I like had a conversation with my 12 year old self yeah, in okay. my journal and it was super important and it was different than my therapy. It was very different. Not that my therapy doesn't really help me with my work and with uh, both sides, with the therapy part and with the, with the group practice part and the other parts of the business, it definitely does. But that coaching piece, because that coach will say anything to you. Like when she's like, no, no, we're not going to do that. No, we're going to put a budget on that. No, we're not going to do that. Your therapist isn't that's so the two together is amazing. Yeah. And that's what we would get when we work with you. Well, I love your description of the two coaches because for me, I always look at it as like the two rails of a train track, you know, that need to work together. And that's what I meant earlier when I said, oh, I wanted to go in and talk about money. And I ended up crying about my ex-husband. It's like, they're not separate. They need to work in tandem and they need to work together. And you're there because you want to make more money. But if you don't understand that you're loved in this world and that you're accepted for who you are. If you can't be in touch with that little kid that is suffering and that is hurt, good luck. And you know what? Good luck if you make the money because it's still not going to be enough. It will never be enough. And that being said, this isn't about just sitting on the mountaintop going into the cave. It's like we live in a real world. And when I say that, I meant like just going off and meditating and dissociating from like the structure of the civilized world that we live in right now. It's like, we need to make it work here on earth. You know, it's like, <laughs> I'm born and raised in New York city. It's not free. <laughs> no. Right. Ladies, like, we know this. Um, you know, if there's anything that I learned from my mother, it was make your own money because mm-hmm. money is power in this world. And if you want to be independent, like truly, then figure out how to support yourself. And it's something that I learned as a, as a small kid. The point is like, they're not separate, they're together. Mm-hmm. And as much as like, I, nobody wants to talk to their 12 year old. I mean, come on. These aren't things that we like wake up in the morning and like, yeah, I want to face how I felt about myself when I was eight years old. But you know what? But if it now stands in the way of me and making payroll, I, I got to deal with this. Right. Okay. Like this right. is what it's going to, this is, a, you know, we cannot, we can no longer pretend this is about something else. Like these things are integrated and they're together. And that's why as much as I hate using the word like spiritual and, and I come from a world where they're like, this is a spiritual program. It's like, I still don't like to hear that because like for me, it doesn't, I still struggle with finding, I like soul coach. It's like, it's a kind of a softer way to not have it feel like it's like religious in some way, or it's tied to something that we don't relate to, or that I personally don't relate to. But the truth is like, it's an inside job, right? While you're Mm -hmm. doing an outside job. And that is why those elements have to come together. And, And inner child work is something that I end up doing with some of my clients and like happily, because the truth is that's really where this stuff all begins. Yeah. But if but if I come to you know, if a client is working with me and they're not not everybody is receptive to that as a starting point, mm-hmm. you know. So my job my job is to move people from point A to point B, right? And it takes what it takes. And I guess because I've been around for a while and I've lived and breathed so many of these different modalities, like for me it is like finding what works for that person and what they're receptive to. You know, when you can't get to a step 12 from a step two, you know, you need to go, you need to build that. I mean, on a more practical level, like when I work with people, this is about setting goals. And, you know, when we had that conversation, Diana, many years ago, what I did, like any good therapist has a therapist, I hired a coach, right? I hired a coach. I had worked, you know, honestly, with more of a soul coach during my time in business and it was really profound for me but I remember being very focused like I'm only going to do this coaching thing if it's going to help me make more money and then we ended up doing you know on this deep dive 
but it changed the course of my life and it changed the course of my business and it helped me identify what I really wanted to do. And in essence, I coached myself out of that career as a result of that because I didn't actually want to even be there. You know, I was doing what I thought I needed to do out of a level of fear that was subconscious for me. So when I'm building work with clients and a relationship with them, it's like you said, you want to help people find their alignment. You know, you're not trying to, and I always say you're not trying to, you want to build a building. You can't build it on a pile of dog shit. You know, it's like the foundation needs to be excavated. You need those, you need that cement. You know, first you need to make sure there's no dirty gas tanks under the water, you know, under the soil, <laughs> right? And right. it's going to blow up in your face. You don't want to start building a house on like a, you know, a graveyard of like dead bodies and ghosts. It's like, you need to clear this, right? You need to sage it. You need to clean it. You need to clear it. You need to know what's underneath. And then you can start to build for sure. Yeah. That's a beautiful way to put it. I mean, because you know, people that are like later in their life that have been doing something. Oh, I just like became a lawyer because my, I always felt stupid. And my father wanted me to be a lawyer, you know, and it's like, they're not happy, you know? So, right. you know, we're all trying to be happy. Right. And we're trying to help people find that happiness. But again, on a practical level, it's a lot of goal setting with people mm-hmm. and it, first few, you know, sessions that I do with somebody after a brief intake is I'm really trying to identify where they want to be and and what they think is stopping them. And the framework for us together is really about setting goals. I really ask people to put three things down on a piece of paper in order, you know, and sometimes the beginning of the work is finding out what that is, but I tend to try to set things up in at least a six month frame because this stuff, this, this isn't astrology, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. It's not a psychic reading. It takes some work and it takes some time and we set goals. And from there we create a structure for the next three to six months or however long that we're working for, where we have measurable goals that we are trying to achieve. And all that talking to your eight-year-old, you know what? I don't have to talk about that because that's just what comes out. You know what I mean? When you figure out why you can't make 10 business, you know, sales calls a day, like what is stopping you? And that's, you know, when you start to get in touch with the things that are like preventing you from feeling safe and really putting yourself out in the world fully expressed. So how often um, do you see your clients? Like, is it a weekly thing? Um, Is there emails, texts, you know, during the week, like how flexible are you? That's another thing that's really different than therapy. So I, some clients I work with every week and some I work Mm -hmm. with every other week and it just depends. And in between that, there's, I don't like to call them assignments, you know, or homework, but Mm -hmm. there there are actions. And sometimes those can be like the kind of thing that Diana, you know, describes. Sometimes they're uh, writing assignments or um, like a particular action that I want them to take. And some of them are like integrating new habits, like things that are happening daily, right? Whether it be implementing something that is going to help shift that mindset and you know, you can't work out in January and expect to have abs in, you know, December. It's like, it takes sometimes a consistent change in uh, what we're doing and how we're talking to ourselves. And, you know, so there's a kind of, there's a bag of different things that depending on who I'm working with and what they're trying to do, there are things that we're trying to implement in between. So sometimes there's like writing assignments and stuff that they're doing in between uh, the coaching sessions and especially people that are building businesses and stuff like that, there's usually like a list of activities or action lists mm-hmm. that need to be filled on. And that is like, uh, can be a very, it's like an anxiety reducing way to have clarity about what it is that you're doing. You know, when it's like you have 10 things in order and you know what you're supposed to do. You like wake up in the morning and you go to work rather than waking up in the morning being like feeling bad about yourself because you're confused and you don't know what's going on and, and how to move next. And one of the things that you really said, Diana, that hit me is like, you know, to not always have to be doing this alone. Like it is so hard to do this alone in a vacuum when we all think we're supposed to know how to do everything and be so strong and, and, and we're like suffering without having this support, you know, and when you really realize this, when you look at people that are functioning at high levels, they have teams of people around them working with them. There is a tremendous amount of momentum that is coming from other people that they are either on their payroll or part of their community. And it doesn't always have to cost money. There's ways to connect with people and be a part of a collective conversation that can transform 
inform how you show up for things. Like it, I know this from my own experience and I know it from working with people. So some clients are once a week, some are every other week. And there is what we call high touch, which means that like I am available to my client between those times as much as I can be mm-hmm. um, in terms of like unlimited emails. There is some text messaging I'm available, you know, for like five minute conversations when I can. And that's something that's nice that you don't get with a therapist is like so when something's happening at that moment, if you feel like you need somebody to reach out to within reason, I, I do my best to be there, which is why I don't like to work, have like too many people that I'm working with at the same time, because I really like to be available to the clients that I'm committed to. And like I said, it really is like kind of having this silent partner. Like if you need to bounce something off, somebody is there that you can just kind of text and reach out to. And, and sometimes I have clients that I have them, you know, sending me like little emojis. Like I want them to reach out to me every day for trying to, you know, like an emoji will mean something, you know, it's like you pick an emoji for like, you know, you had that like thought about so-and-so and it's like, oh, I noticed that I was like going there and I'm not going there. And I sent my coach an emoji, like, you know, so there's this, like this little sort of teamwork. I think it's just something you can't do as a therapist. It's just not available to you. It's not practical. But um, yeah, our boundaries are much more rigid, right? So, but I believe as I listen to you, I think that what you're trying to say is we, it takes a community, Mm -hmm. you know, they say it takes a village to raise a child. I think it takes a community to raise an adult and it lets people know you can ask for help. Like you're not supposed to have all of the answers and there's so many options out here for you to get the help that you need. You just kind of have to figure out what works for you and what doesn't. Yeah. And, and the people that you think have it all together are leaning on so many other people. You just don't know that, (laughs) you know, Michael Jordan had a coach, you know, (laughs) right. Michael Jordan has a coach. LeBron is a coach. Everybody has a coach. Everybody's got many coaches sometimes. Many. Yes. Many levels you're moving to the more people you have that are supporting you. Nobody's doing this alone. Right. Yeah. Elon Musk is doing this alone, but they're far and few between, you know, and I just think that people don't get that. They have this perception, like we all think that we have to show up having all the answers and looking good all the time. And all the people that you respect and look up to will tell you how messy it is and how much help they've needed along the way. And I think that being open to that and being able to ask for help and is transformative and it has been for me. And the work that I did with the coaches that I worked with changed my life. One of them really changed, like, you know, Diana was saying, an internal shift that led me to a whole new chapter in my life. Another one helped me get a business up, launched and running within a specific amount of time that I needed it to because I needed to start earning on a particular day. And it was a, you know, a different kind of a relationship and it got me there. So uh, I've just had so much success with it you know, it just really, I, I just, I believe in the work. What can I say? Are we going to find out where boss came from? Oh, right. So, <laughs> uh, so, so guys, we were talking about this during the break, but um, it's called <laughs> boss coaching for business and life. So say we wanted to know, how did you come up with that? And you say, expect to feel like a boss right away. I love that. <laughs> expect to be for me in control of your life. Like you're going to help me get in control because sometimes we feel really out of control. <laughs> well, you know, it was funny because it came out of the work that I was doing with my coach at the time. And as she was getting to know me mm-hmm. in that relationship, she was always referring to me as a boss. She'd be like, damn, you were such a boss at stuff. So I think like what's really relevant is like, it's like finding your inner boss. Like I was already a boss, but I wasn't feeling empowered at that moment. Mm-hmm. You know, I was really feeling lost. And when how we feel about ourselves is usually so completely inconsistent with who we actually are to other people in the world. And it took somebody else to be like, girl, you are a boss. And then we just joked about it and thought that that should be the name of the coaching company. But I think like, I've never really been asked about this, but I think that is actually what is the most relevant about it is that like, sometimes it takes somebody else to kind of help you recognize who you really are. I'd say usually. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Somebody's like, oh, by the way. Um, okay, cool. There, girl. You just need a little help getting, you know. You just need this. Be- let me just show you this mirror. This is you in the mirror. You in the mirror. You are the boss in the mirror. Um, okay. So the website is boss coaching. Yes. I think it's sydneylesilver.com. Okay. 
<laughs> it is Sydney, Sydney Lee it is Silver.com. Sydney Lee. <laughs> Sydney Lee Silver.com. Okay, maybe you are the business. <laughs> you are. You are Sydney Lee Silver.com. So that's where you can get all the information. We'll also have the information in the show notes. We do have some room on our coaching calendar right now, don't we? We have a little bit of room on the calendar. Good. Yeah. So she is looking to take on new clients. We are super excited, super excited to put it in the show notes and put it out in the world. Um, moment for you and I, Diana Gasparoni. Thank you for having me. My goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It is my pleasure as always to spend time with you. Cause that this is like our equivalent. We try to get lunch when it's like once every six months, because that's what our lives are like. And here we are having lunch. Okay. So, you know, we have a, we're working on a, a name for this part of the show. So last week I called it the last hurrah. How do we feel about that? Did anybody have any feelings? About let, it? Let, let's see how it goes. We'll, we'll try it again for another couple of weeks and see if it sticks. Okay. So we're, it's time for the last hurrah. Anisha. So I asked two questions of you that have nothing to do with the podcast today, just so you know. <laughs> so the first question is, how have you been brave today? Mm. Today I'm standing in this space that I don't know what I don't know and that that's okay. And that, um, and that I'm willing to continue to take one action after the other without having a clear picture of what is at the end of that and that there is something bigger than myself carrying me. Um, yeah. Wow. Thank you for your honesty. Um, and the second question is what can you do today that you were not capable of a year ago? And I think this is a good question because we've been living in a pandemic for eight months, right? So maybe a lot has changed. Damn girls. What was that? <laughs> She's trying to figure out how many months have we actually been in that thing. Oh. Yeah. 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 I, uh, wow. I lost a month. I'm still good. If you anyway. could have told me a year ago that I would be locked in the house with my kids. <laughs> seven days a week, okay. Without camp and without real school, I would have told you it is not possible. And here we are. Look at that. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that was perfect. That was perfect. Yes. Everybody's still alive. Everybody's still alive. We're okay. <laughs> We're COVID okay, right? We're COVID okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for spending time with us this morning. Um, I'm just going to keep gushing over you. So we're just, I love you. Thank you. I love you too. Thank you so much, Sid. It was great meeting you. I had such a good time today with you. Thank you. Hey ladies. Thank you so much. So here we are, Nisha, still living in a pandemic. And now you have let me know that it has been eight months, not the seven months that I've been stuck on. I'm in that time stamp. Like you have me time stamped, (laughs) which is perfect. Um, Okay. So stay safe. Wait, wash, wash your, your hands, hands and wear your wear damn mask. Just wear the damn mask. <laughs> okay, everybody. Thank you so much. We're going to stop here and we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to the Be Real podcast. Stay connected to us and subscribe to Be Real wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are feeling it, how about a five-star review? If our conversation sparked a question, join us in the Be Real Podcast Facebook group. We hope that you have walked away with some new insights, curiosities, and ideas to better help you on your journey to mental wellness and overall well-being. I encourage you to go to BeWellPsychotherapy.com and check out our services and programs. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com. Okay, we have to stop here, but I'll see you next week.